Welcome to the Jed Breaks Bread podcast. My name is Jonathan Edwards, and I serve as a pastor at the Grace Brethren Chapel located in Northwest Ohio. The goal of this podcast is to teach God's truth and how to apply it accurately to one's life so that our orthopraxy might be as good as our orthodoxy. May you be blessed as you contemplate God's word. Greetings, saints and fellow bond slaves of Jesus Christ. I trust that your time in the Word has been profitable and that you've been putting into practice the truths that you've been studying. Today, we are going to examine the, the effects of Pride Month. And uh, if you live in the United States of America, as I do, you will know that the month of June has been marked out by the LGBTQ community, uh, the national media, many national corporations. They all celebrate the month of June as Pride Month. Now, um, Pride Month is basically a month where these people celebrate and promote a lifestyle that is contrary to what is revealed in Scripture. And the, the, the type of life that a person who is LGBTQ is living is a life that is sexually deviant, it is sexually immoral, and it is promoting things that are absolutely contrary to the fundamental design that God established in Genesis chapter 2 when he made Adam and Eve, and he brought the two of them together and said, two shall become one, let, the, let, the, let a man leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So that was God's original intended design for creation, that is traditional marriage. We, we call it traditional marriage. It's, it's, it's almost like why, why do we even have to call it traditional marriage? But we, we do have to define it that way because there are so many quote-unquote non-traditional marriages that uh, we have to be specific in what we mean. But in reality, this is just marriage. And in the context of marriage is where a husband and wife are to express sex and sexuality with one another and to enjoy one another and the sexual union and to also use the sexual union to procreate, to uh, comfort one another, to have uh, fulfillment, mutual fulfillment, and so forth and so on. And if you've listened to my podcast, you can go back to um, some of the episodes that I've done on marriage and marriage counseling, and you can see that uh, sex and sexuality is natural, it's God-given, and it's to be used appropriately in the context of marriage. But here in the United States and in other parts of the world, we are coming out of what is known as Pride Month, where we celebrate, or I should say not we, but the culture celebrates a perverted sexuality that is antithetical, that is against what God's original design intent is. Now, this was quite a unique Pride Month. If you recall, at the beginning of this month, I did a mailbag, and one of the questions in the mailbag was, how should Christians think about or respond to uh, Pride Month that was coming up? And I had a few suggestions in that particular mailbag, and I thought, as I've watched events unfold in the United States over the last uh, 25 days or 26 days or whatever, I, I think that it's worth revisiting this particular topic because something's happened during this particular edition of the Pride Month that are different than in previous years. 
And I want to highlight those things for you. And I want to highlight them in the context of thinking about this question. How can Christians use their influence to impact culture? All right, how can Christians use their influence to impact culture? And, you know, obviously one of the answers is that we need to be proclaimers of the gospel. We need to be men and women who preach the Great Commission. That is, we go and we make disciples by preaching the cross of Christ, or the cross of Calvary on which Christ died. We then take time to try to persuade those who would listen to us to become believers in Christ Jesus by confessing their sins, repenting their sins, and putting their faith and trust in Christ who died on the cross to pay the price for their sins. And if that happens, if somebody is converted to Christ, then they are baptized and they become a member of a local church, and then the mission is to spend the rest of your days and their days teaching them to observe, that means to practice, all that Jesus commanded. So that, I think all Christians understand, preaching the gospel as the basic cultural mandate that Christians have. But I think it's worth asking, is that the only cultural mandate that Christians have? Is that the only way that Christians can affect the culture? Now, I would say it's certainly the most important way, because without a changed heart, the natural man cannot understand the things of God. So you can talk about biblical principles, you can talk about Judeo-Christian values, you can talk about morality all you want to, but until somebody is enlightened by the Holy Spirit, these things uh, are less significant to them. And you know what? There are many, many people who are unbelievers who actually have a Judeo-Christian worldview to some degree, who actually um, would subscribe to a Judeo-Christian set of morals and values, but that's not true conversion. Those those aren't the people who you really want to be in the trenches with fighting with long-term. Now, they can certainly help. They can certainly help change the direction of a culture. But we, first of all, when we talk about cultural mandate, we're talking about the, preaching the gospel. Now, secondly, this is where I want to say we maybe even are able to partner with or work together with those who would be non-believers. How do we influence the culture to reflect Judeo-Christian values? How do we do that? Um, I think Christians have largely been divided over this particular issue. I think there's divisions on this particular issue right now um, happening in Twitter, uh, on YouTube. Uh, all, all you have to do is just you know research Christian nationalism, and there's a lot of different takes on how Christians should be involved in shaping the culture. I personally think this is a, a very important topic and one that I'm researching and hoping to think through deeper, and I'm, I'm actually going to be making a presentation to our elders about how Christians can practice or exercise a, a cultural mandate within a culture. That being said, um, since I'm not totally done with that, maybe I'll make that a podcast episode one of these days. That being said, I think that what we witnessed here in June of 2023 is kind of a blueprint that Christians and others who would hold to a Judeo-Christian value system, maybe they're Jews, maybe they are Roman Catholic, uh, maybe maybe even they would be like Muslims, or they would be Christians who are traditional Christians, or 
I should say, people who claim to be Christians but are more Christian in tradition rather than born-again Christians, okay? Because we have to acknowledge there's a lot of people who think they're Christians and would subscribe to a set of Christian values but are not actually born again. I think what we witnessed this month kind of gives us a little bit of a blueprint on how to effectively engage the culture. And what we saw during the 2023 edition of Pride Month was a pretty strong and pretty um, sustained backlash against the continued radicalization of the Pride movement, okay? Now, the, the Pride movement, all right, if you recall, I, if maybe you're old enough to do this, I mean, I'm, not, I'm only 38 and I can recall this. If you recall, the LGBTQ movement about 15 or 20 years ago made this basic argument. Well, what we do as consenting adults in our bedroom is none of your business. Just let us, just let us do whatever we want to do. Let live and let live, basically. And you know, for a, a lot of people, that was just like a, a compelling argument. Like, okay, yeah, fine. You're an adult. You're going to do what you want to do. That's fine. But that was 15 years ago, and in the last four to five years, in particular, the brazenness and the boldness and the sheer in-your-face nature of the LGBTQ movement has basically said something like this. We're going to do whatever we want in our bedroom, and we're also going to do it in your local library, and we're also going to do it in the public school, and we're also going to do it in a parade that goes through downtown, and we're also going to do it anywhere we feel like, whether it's a national park or a, a public beach or anywhere else, and you not only can't say no to us, but you must affirm that what we're doing is good and righteous and holy. So we, we've moved well beyond what a lot of, I would say, social conservatives agreed to in this, what I would call conservative social compact. Okay, so the, the social compact was, we're LGBTQ, let us do what we want in the privacy of our bedrooms, and we'll let you do what you want in the privacy of your bedroom. And a lot of people who were maybe a little bit bothered by that were just like, oh, okay, I'll buy into that. Well, now, now it's everywhere. And so the LGBTQ movement has absolutely violated the terms of that social compact. And, and I don't think that compact should have ever been made to begin with, just let me state right off the bat. I, I think that's that's a bad idea. But there were a lot of lawmakers, there were a lot of ju- judges, there were a lot of people who were like, "Okay, I can I can buy into that." All right. Well, what happened this month? the The LGBTQ movement has broken the terms of this social compact to such a degree that they are actively pursuing. Uh, the introduction of sexuality and perverse sexuality to children. And this has been happening in schools across the nation. It's been happening in uh, pride parades across the nation. It's been happening in libraries across the nation. And so it's not just let us do what we want in our bedroom. It's we are going to introduce your children to this perverse sexuality, and we are going to persuade your children that they should participate in this perverse sexuality, and you, as the parent, have no right to stop it. And this has gotten so out of hand that it has actually been a force that has, in some sense, awakened the average American from their spiritual slumber, 
Okay, now I don't mean that to say that they all of a sudden became converted to Christianity. All I mean is that the average American is so wrapped up and so consumed in their own amusement, in their own private endeavors, that they can't be bothered to check in on the well-being of their neighbor or their neighbor's children. But this movement has done what no other movement has been able to do. It has awakened Americans in a spiritual sense, because, because let's be honest, sex and sexuality is a spiritual issue. It has awakened Americans in a spiritual sense to the depravity that is being promoted or foisted upon children in our culture. All right, and, and so there was, there was backlash against this. There was a lot of backlash in June of 2023, I personally, at the beginning of the month, when I recorded the episode, uh, the mailbag episode, I thought, this, this is just going to be a horrible Pride Month. I just want to stick my head in the sand. I just, honestly, I don't even want to see it. It turned out to be anything but. This year's Pride Month, if you were just grading it on a scale of 1 to 10 in terms of success, would have been like a 4. Okay? Yes, New York City, San Francisco, Minneapolis... Um, all these extraordinary liberal cities, they had their pride parades, they had their naked men or their men who were wearing like um, leather chaps that didn't have any um, coverage on them. They, they had all the freaky stuff that you would expect to see. That's New York City, that's San Francisco, that's Denver, Minneapolis, all these liberal places, Seattle. But I would say that in middle America, there was a, a definite hesitancy from these groups to not promote what they have promoted in the past. In the town that I live in, a town of 15,000 people, the last three years they've had, well, not the COVID year, but the last few years they've had a pride gathering, and they did not do that this year. And I'm not sure if they felt pressure not to do that or if they felt like uh, nobody was willing to host them but the, the reality is they didn't, they didn't do their event this year. Some kind of pressure was put on them to cause them to second-guess having or holding that particular event. Now, maybe that's not the reason. Maybe the guy who organizes it or the girl who organizes it got sick, but it certainly seems like in middle America, the, the expressions of the pride movement were much more subdued than in other parts of the country. And I would also say this, the corporate media and the corporations that are major national corporations like um, Ford, the NHL, the MLB, um, even some other multinational corporations, these corporations had typically changed their logos to be in the pride color for the whole month. Uh, maybe that happened for a few days or even a day. I know the NHL had such strong blowback to their logo change that uh, it only was up for a day. I believe that was the same for the MLB. It was up for a day, and then it was taken down. Why did this happen? Well, I think that, as I mentioned, the average American woke up from their spiritual stupor and realized what was happening to their children and to their neighbor's children and said, enough. And so there were some very targeted boycotts this year that actually caused corporations to think twice about the messaging that they were sending. Okay, so one thing that happened is some targeted boycotts. One of them, um, pun intended, happened to the company Target, 
and another one happened to the company Bud Light. Now, Bud Light, in April of 2023, partnered with a trans activist named Dylan Mulvaney and put his face on a beer can, and it was uh, put up on kind of like uh, Twitter and Instagram and some other social media posts. I don't even believe that they ran a series of beer cans that was like sold to the general public with Dylan Mulvaney's face on it. But the, the fact that it was promoted that way, that there was this partnership between this transgender activist and a company like Bud Light, which um, I live in middle America, and that's just like, it's, it's as American as apple pie, okay? It's as American as the Star Spangled Banner. Like Bud Light's uh, partnership with this person was a betrayal to, to millions and millions of people in middle America. And since then this is April of 2023, Bud Light has lost over $27 billion in market cap. They were the number one selling beer, and it wasn't even close in the United States, and they've fallen back to number two, okay? Now, Bud Light is so desperate to sell their product that I just saw an advertisement for 4th of July coming up here. Um, Bud Light is offering a $15 rebate on a case of Bud Light, and in case you don't know, the, uh, the the cases of Bud Light sell for $15. So they're, they're basically giving this beer away, and they can't give it away. That's how toxic their reputation has become. This was a targeted boycott against one company that sent a resounding message to all other companies. Okay. Another company that got hit big time this year is the company Target. Now, Target okay, has been um, a very, very popular brand with middle Americans, like middle to middle upper class Americans for, for many, many years. And quite frankly, Target was actually one of the first major retailers to publicly partner with the LGBTQ movement. And so it's really not a surprise that Target would be doing something that is um, LGBTQ friendly during Pride Month. This has been their modus operandi for a number of years, okay, maybe 10 years or, or more. Um, but what they did this year in 2023 is that they introduced a line of swimwear, okay, and they called it tuck-friendly swimwear for kids. Now, tuck-friendly swimwear implies that your boy is ashamed of his boyhood and needs extra room to tuck his genitals somehow into his crotch so that he looks more like a girl in a swimsuit. All right, so Target went from just, you know, promoting the LGBTQ movement to actually actively selling products that would encourage children to reject their biological gender and their biological sex and want to transition to another sex or another gender. This was a straw too much. It was the straw that broke the camel's back. And in since this swimsuit line launched or the other, and, and also the other um, merchandise in this particular line. It launched in late May of 2023 in preparation for Pride Month. Target lost over $13 billion in market cap. Now, obviously, market cap is something that um, could come back, okay? But it means that, that shoppers are going to want to have confidence in your brand again. For Bud Light, this this loss of market cap has been almost the entire second quarter. It's doubtful that that market cap is coming back for them. The consumer has moved on. 
they are doing something different. And Target, for their uh, participation in this, lost a great deal of market cap. It remains to seen whether that will extend beyond Pride Month or whether it's just for this particular month. But Target themselves lost in two ways. Number one, they awakened the sleeping American spiritual giant, uh, the, the moms and dads of all these kids who are basically uh, suburban or middle class to upper middle class, and they alerted them to the, the dangers that um, Target is promoting by, by partnering with the LGBTQ movement. And Target also lost their support from the LGBTQ community. Target was blasted and raked over the coals by LGBTQ activists who condemned the corporation for caving in to conservative pressure. Now, Bud Light, at least, has had the, um, the guts. Let's put it that way. Bud Light has had the guts to double down on their decision. They uh, were, were found to be sponsoring a pride parade in New York City uh, last, last week. So, so Bud Light was like, well, hey, we, we've lost some consumers. Let's not lose some other ones. Okay? It seems that these targeted boycotts send messages to corporations. And the message is this. If you want our business... If you want our business, then you need to support our values, not the values of a community that is roughly 5% of the population. Okay, that's, that's about the approximate percentage of the LGBTQ community, 5%. Now, I'm not saying, I think there's probably 60 to, 60 to 70%, okay, of the population of America who's like, well, just live and let live. Okay, so 60 to 70% of Americans are just like passively supportive of it except when they start coming for your children. So what we learn from this is that a targeted boycott can send messages. It's not possible to boycott every single company, but if you boycott one or two companies in particular, that can send a message, and that changes the cultural wind, and it helps other companies think through, how politically outspoken do I want to be on these particular issues? This, in my view is one way that Christians can help affect culture. Now, I'm not sure if all Christians together are enough to have an impact on a company like Target or Bud Light by themselves, but if Christians would honor this boycott along with other people in the culture who also profess to have a Judeo-Christian value set or a Judeo-Christian sense of morality, we can do good things together with them. Okay, that can have an impact. That can move the needle, okay? So, and again, this partnership is not for necessarily planting churches. This partnership is not about, you know, gospel spread. We, we need to be preaching the gospel and doing something like this, a targeted boycott. I think another way that Christians demonstrated um, real strength and solidarity during Pride Month was that there were a lot of Christians who took the, fr- the fight to pride. And the, advan- the advancements in cell phone technology and video technology so that, you know, everybody has a cell phone now, everybody's cell phone has video and, a can- and recording capabilities, has really been able to show the, the, the ways that, or some possible ways that you could stand up against pride activists and pride activism. One believer 
in Reading, Pennsylvania, was arrested and later released for reading Bible verses to a pride parade as that parade was passing by the downtown streets of Reading, Pennsylvania. And you would think, well, Reading, Pennsylvania seems like a very conservative area. And of course it is. But uh, this overzealous police officer arrested a, a believer who was standing on the, on the curb reading the scriptures and condemning, using the scriptures to condemn the pride, pride parade and the pride agenda. I also saw videos of believers in New York City and San Francisco being harassed by pride activists. These believers did nothing more than read the scriptures. They did not respond or retaliate with any violence or anger. They read the scriptures. They allowed the word of God to speak, and it was very obvious that they were being persecuted for their stand on the word of God. This, my friends, I think is how we can take the fight to pride. We can attend pride rallies, and we can read or create signs that talk about the sin of sexual perversion at these events. And, you know, you may get kicked out. uh, You may get arrested like the guy in Reading, Pennsylvania. You may get harassed like some of the believers in New York City and San Francisco. So maybe this isn't for everybody to do, but if Satan is going to have the pride people out in the streets openly promoting perverted abominations when it comes to sex and sexuality, then why shouldn't God have his servants out in the street doing open spiritual warfare with them? Why shouldn't that happen? I think it should happen. Now, I think it has to be done well. It has to be a person who has the right temperament, who's not going to respond with anger or create uh, some kind of scene that is unnecessary. You have to have a cool head, a level head, but I think that's a great idea. I think there were, I also saw a lot of social media posts that were not inflammatory, but very calmly and quietly explained the reason why the pride movement was against the text of Scripture. I also saw a lot of social media posts that tried to defend a, a biblical understanding of the pride movement. So in other words, there were a lot of Christians who were using verses like uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, uh, 9 through 11, which says this, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers, will inherit the kingdom of God. Such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of Jesus Christ, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and in the Spirit of our God. These verses are powerful because they communicate that not only are people who are homosexual and and effeminate going to hell, but also people who are fornicators, or idolaters, or covetous, or drunkards. And the reality is that at one time, all of us were something on that list. But we are not that anymore, because we were washed, and we were sanctified, and we were justified in the name of Jesus Christ our Savior, and through the Spirit of God who regenerated our hearts and gave us the ability to respond in faith to the gospel. There were some really great social media posts that I saw. Now, I have to confess that I, um, I did not make a social media post like I said I might. 
Now, I, I, I have some reasons for that, but in hindsight, I think I should have made that a higher priority than I did. Um, and in evaluating the reasons why I chose not to do it, I'm not sure they were exactly the right reasons, but, you know, um, I'm learning just as long as you. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to learn and grow and impact the, the culture for Christ in the same way that you are. And uh, so sometimes we just don't always do exactly what we want to do. Now, here's, here's the exit question, okay? The exit question. Where do we go from here, all right? Where do we go from here? How can Christians continue to have an impact in the culture? How can Christians continue to speak for God on this particular issue? One of them is what I already mentioned. Christians can, Christians should learn that we can effectively engage culture through our purchasing habits, these habits must be focused, and they must be aligned, possibly, with those in the culture who are not Christians, but who maybe share some elements of a Judeo-Christian worldview. I think as Christians, we can effectively engage culture with targeted boycotts. We can't boycott every company. That's not possible. But targeted boycotts seem to have some effect, at least at a corporate level, to help maybe keep some of this... um, blatant sin under wraps, okay? A second thing that we could do is we can continue proclaiming that these issues are issues of sin and judgment. These are not issues of um, gray areas, okay? Sexual perversion is not a gray area in the Scripture. Sexual perversion is not a Christian liberty. Sexual perversion is a serious sin that is condemned by God. And those who are participating in it are not lost. They're not hopeless. They can absolutely be forgiven if they will confess of their sins and repent of their sins and turn towards Christ, our Savior. Okay, so it's not like Jesus's grace or God's grace runs out when it runs into a person who is in the LGBTQ community. That's not true at all. The most wretched, the most vile person in that community can be redeemed through the power of the gospel. We have to believe that. And so, yes, if we're going to engage culture, we can uh, maybe make a a large-scale impact through our purchasing habits, uh, maybe speaking out even on social media and whatever, but we need to have a very specific message that we try to engage specific individuals with, and that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Christians need to find ways to talk to people who are in this community, um, not, sh- not maybe shouting at them from across the street, but like a one-on-one conversation where you can actually communicate to them the Word of God. Okay? So a third thing that we can do, third thing, where do we go from here? We as Christians, we as the Church, need to strongly refute and rebuke those in our own community who are accepting of LGBTQ ideas. There are probably three churches in the town where I live who are just welcoming of LGBTQ ideas. I saw many social media posts from churches with uh, the words like something like this, everyone is welcome here, and those words were written in rainbow colors. You, you may be welcome at church, but his idea of welcome and my idea of welcome are two different things, okay? I would welcome somebody who's of the LGBT community into the church if they're willing to listen, think, 
consider, okay? You're not just welcome here to practice your sin openly in front of everybody in the church. But, but that's what some churches mean when they say everybody is welcome here. You can come here and you cannot feel judged by your sins, okay? That's totally wrong. You know, I go to church. I'm a pastor. Um, every week that I'm in service, I'm convicted of some type of sin that I'm, I'm dealing with. Now, sometimes it's the same sin. Sometimes it's something that hasn't been brought to the forefront of my mind. But sitting under the true expository preaching of the Word of God is going to bring sin to light in your life, and it's not okay for you to stay there. You have to move. You have to change. You have to adjust. And that's exactly what going to church should look like. Everyone's welcome in church. You're welcome to examine your heart in light of Scripture and change. That's what you're welcome to do. You're not welcome to come to church and just do whatever you feel like and, and have the church affirm you so that you can feel good about yourself. That You might as well just give the person uh, a one-way ticket to hell. Like That's absolutely what you're doing if you're a church and you're saying everyone is welcome here, but you're not actually going to talk to them about the consequences of their sin. Okay, I think that there are uh, uh, there's a pretty strong war going on, a spiritual war in the Christian community of how do we how do we talk or deal with people who are in the LGBTQ community? Many Christians are wanting to be affirming. Many Christians are not wanting to be affirming, and so Christians so-called Christians, are fighting with other Christians about this particular issue. And as if you are truly a Christian, if you truly believe the Bible, you have to take the Bible in its context. You have to use a literal, grammatical, historical method of Bible interpretation. And if you do that, you will see that you cannot affirm sin. And, and it's, it's frustrating to me to see that there are so many uh, people who identify as a gay Christian. Like, nobody identifies as a lying Christian. Nobody identifies as an adulterous Christian. You wouldn't tolerate that. You would say, well, lying is a sin. Adultery is a sin. What about murder? I'm the murdering Christian? No, you would not tolerate that. And so why would you tolerate somebody identifying as a gay Christian? You're, you're not a gay Christian. You're a Christian who is repenting from a gay lifestyle. Maybe you still harbor some of those feelings. Maybe you still harbor some of those um, temptations, but you need to be putting to death those temptations every single day. Just like me, if I were to struggle with lying, I would be putting to death the temptation to lie every single day. Okay? That's what it means to be a Christian. You're, you're not a something Christian. There's no prefix that goes before Christian, no modifier that goes before Christian. You are just a Christian. But in our community, we've got a lot of people who are saying, hey, I'm a gay Christian, I'm a lesbian Christian, I'm a trans Christian, I'm a supporter of trans Christians, or whatever, the might, whatever that might be. That cannot be. That's inappropriate. And so as Christians, we need to do spiritual warfare with those who say they're on our same team. And we need to rebuke them from the Scriptures. We need to refute them from the Scriptures. We need to be willing to have this combat. Why? Because they are making a mockery of our Lord. They are making a mockery of our Lord. Now, they will answer for that in the Day of Judgment. But as we have opportunity, we should rebuke and refute them for their 
wrongfulness in proclaiming these falsehoods. All right, well, I, I ended up going a lot longer than I thought. I hope that you stuck with me the whole time. Um, this recap of Pride Month has been just really fascinating to me to look at. I hope it was fascinating to you, too. I hope you learned a few things from this. And as, uh, as I prepare to do some more podcasts later in the year, I think I'm going to be addressing the Christian's cultural mandate and our responsibility to engage in culture in more detail as I do some additional study on that particular topic. All right. Have a wonderful day. May God bless you as you seek to serve him. And may you have the strength and courage of conviction to do what glorifies God.